0: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. That's what this show is about, what I just said. Save more, spend less, not getting ripped off. And so when you hear me talk about something, answer a question, whatever, it should fit within that mission statement. But there are times you feel, I stray. Or there are times you feel that the guidance, advice, information, or direction I give someone has not met its mark. That's why we have Clark Stinks, where you can go post where you feel I didn't deliver on my promise. And then who knows? You could end up here on the Clark Stink segment that we're going to do for you right now. Our producer, Krista, goes through all your posts on Clark Stinks, and then she shares them with you on the air.
1: I've never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm
2: wrong.
0: Maybe you're right, pal.
2: Okay, Clark, here we go. A caller recently asked if someone could contribute to a 529 account in his name or if they need to create their own. Clark said that 529 plans are not even supposed to check for additional contributions to a 529 plan from anyone other than the named individual who owns the plan. It is possible that this is true in some states, but definitely not most. My home state of Maryland has a whole page dedicated to the ways a friend or relative can contribute to a 529 plan that is not their own. These include filling out a provided form and mailing it in with a check or using a gifting portal, which allows them to contribute online straight from their linked checking account. And uh, he puts a link to his state's 529 plan and he signed it, Dan. Dan, thank you very much.
0: I have never heard of you being able to do that as part of what's built into a 529 plan historically what i've said is that if you want to contribute to someone's 529 plan and there's one already set up mom or dad or uh, grandfather grandmother aunt uncle whatever have a plan set up for a child that you can just give them a check and they can put it in there so what maryland is doing is a procedure. I'm not familiar with, and I'm excited to hear they're doing it, because if the idea is to encourage people to save for a kid's college, putting up as few few barricades or barriers as possible is great. Thank you for that.
2: Every time a caller mentions a trip to Hawaii, Clark starts squealing, Hawaii! I love Hawaii. This is normally followed by a request to travel in the collar suitcase, a thigh slipper that that really never gets old. A thigh slapper that never gets old. I know people who live in Hawaii, and they don't pronounce it the way Clark does. I watched the George Clooney movie, The Descendants, and no one in the film pronounced it Clark's way. Clark is convincing, however. One recent caller even started calling the state Hawaii by the end of this call. I suspect that Clark is a victim of some sort of inverse cultural appropriation the result of too many tour bus luau's where the tour guide speaks with a fake Hawaiian accent just before the grass skirt dancing begins.
0: (laughs) Okay. Hawaii. I love Hawaii. I love being there. I think I'd love to live there. Nobody else in my family is along with me on that plan. And whatever you call it, to me, it's paradise.
2: Glad the clerk has finally acknowledged that no one will get in trouble for being gifted more than 15,000 in a year, but he should also clarify that for a non-millionaire giver, the only consequence is that the donor will have to file a gift tax return, but no tax will be due. Not knowing this cost me dearly. Many years ago my aunt wanted to gift 25k to me to be used for the benefit of my aging mother. Not wanting to get my aunt in trouble with the IRS, I declined. Through a series of events, the money found its way to my sister, who was subsequently convicted of embezzling another relative's inheritance, and the twenty five K has not been heard from since. I'm sure a lot of other people are as misinformed about the gift tax as I was. They need to know that for non millionaires, there's no problem gifting any amount of money as long as they are willing to fill out an extra page on their tax return.
0: Well, I am all the circumstances you mentioned. I'm really, really sorry about everything that went on with your family member. That's just awful. As for the whole thing about gifting, I need to think of a better way to explain it, because you are bringing a second different angle than I had recently about the $15,000. So let me take a quick stab at that, Krista, before we move on to the next Clark Stinks. So here's the story. You can give fifteen thousand dollars to any individual you want—family member, friend, anybody. You can give them fifteen thousand dollars. No paperwork is required. No taxes due from either party. You're allowed to do this each year up to fifteen thousand dollars. Beyond that, you get into the thing of is our poster put about having to file a gift tax uh, portion of your return. And if somebody has tons of money, you'd have to have tons, tons now. It counts against the amount of money that can be uh, go through an estate, estate tax-free. So I hope that was a better explanation. Most people would love to have the problem of having fifteen grand they could afford to give somebody else.
2: Clark, I heard a segment of your podcast from earlier in the year and feel like you stink now. You bashed the door-to-door method of marketing and told everyone to avoid door-to-door salesmen or lead generators. I've been generating leads for a solar outfitter in northern Colorado for several months now. I'm 24 years old, and even for a millennial, I can't help but think these are very antisocial times that we live in. I don't use any nasty tactics and save my company lots of money on market costs per lead when compared to my automatic online counterpart that pops up on your screen. This in turn leads to lower cost solar arrays and makes us competitive with the likes of SolarCity, a.k.a. Tesla. I'm an honest man just trying to spread the good word of renewable energy and make some sort of a living in the process. I'm not out to get people, just to have a conversation. I go to anyone's door that says, I don't go to anyone's door that says no soliciting and even pitch on the big, on the ring doorbells when people are afraid to answer. It's a sad time we live in with regards to social interaction. And it hurt my feelings hearing you rage with that method of marketing, this method of marketing. Freddie. Freddie, um,
0: you're obviously, I can tell in your words, you are an earnest, honest person. And I apologize that the broad brush that I paint, Uh, neighborhood solicitors with it has just unfortunately been for so many years and this is way before we became in any social country that door-to-door solicitors for home improvement historically have been a very large source of complaints filed with the better business bureau and state authorities in addition have been a source of a lot of scam activity particularly geared towards the elderly. If you are doing business the right way with the right heart, your doors will open to you in your life, as it sounds
2: like they already are. Debit cards are not evil. Love a lot of what you say, but when you warn people about not having protections on your debit card, you are very wrong. I was in Mexico, and on my last day, I did not have enough cash for gas, so I had to shutter use a credit card. Well, their machine refused it, so I went to my debit card. Both were compromised, and I had random charges for 600 dollars the next day. My credit card company sent me an email, text, and call instantly telling me a possible fraud. And within the second, I had the charges reversed and new cards sent overnight for free. I sent a message to my debit card issuer, and they had me fill out a short form, and within a day, that money was refunded to me as well. I had no issues. That's fantastic.
0: That's great. Now, let me tell you something. The administrative process with the debit card that you had is different than what the law requires. With credit cards, the law is very clear and in your favor when an account is compromised. With the debit card, it's not. In your case, in real life and practical terms, when a fraud occurred, your financial institution was there for you all the way, And that's great.
2: Clark, I myself am in my mid-20s and happen to have a low dollar car payment at a rate of less than 1% that I could pay off today and a mortgage at a rate under 4%. So I am not anti-debt. However, I thought your response to a recent young caller questioning about buying a new truck or remodeling his kitchen may have missed the mark in some ways. It seemed like you were so impressed that this gentleman had saved some money, yet you then told him to go right ahead and spend money he didn't necessarily have on a kitchen remodel because, hey, interest rates on cars aren't too bad. I've been tempted to finance over 20 k in various upgrades on our house because the payments are low, but I always remember that the financed amount is not. Maybe if you discussed his total savings and income, this all fit will fit okay into his life, but I didn't hear that happen. A good credit score is nice and low rates are great too, but I'm not sure if encouraging young people to spend money they don't have for immediate gratification when they're aware of, the, of other large future expenses is always the right approach to set them up for long-term success. Hugh.
0: Hugh, very well said, very well put. I remember that call and uh, I could have asked a couple more questions about wider economic picture, and in that case, I went with instinct that I was talking with an individual who's very, very careful with how he handles money. And I may have been wrong, and maybe I should have asked more questions validating that, but I went with my gut in that case and didn't have the feeling that I was talking to somebody who was uh, a crazy spender or someone who would be you know, irresponsible with how they handled money or took on debt.
2: Clark, stop smelling the place already. Smelling up the place already. I depend on you to call people out, so I was somewhat surprised when you criticized Facebook without making an important comparison between them and the longtime exploiters of our personal information, the dreaded credit bureaus. Besides, isn't... Isn't that what, happ- what happened with Facebook just digital direct marketing? I mean, at least with Facebook, Facebook, we give up our info, while in contrast, the bureaus collect data and package our lives for the highest bidder without our permission. Even worse, the credit bureaus are working on a law that will allow them to keep us in the dark about future bre- breaches. I bet they won't be speaking before Congress. Up On, on the upside, though, I did like your suggestion for creating some sort of opt-out for the internet.
0: Thank you, and, and I feel that we should have the ability in the United States that the Europeans got this right. We should have a right to be forgotten. We should have the right to tell the credit bureaus not to build these dossiers on us. We should have control of our personal information, whether it's on the Internet or it's in the financial world, that right now things are out of control where we don't have a choice. You think about Equifax, TransUnion Experian, building these dossiers on us, creating the potential harm for us, and then Equifax creating real harm to us, and we're still powerless, and the Congress, instead of doing something to provide protection, is now, just as our poster said, looking to give the credit bureaus blanket immunity from any harms they cause. That is outrageous. I want to hear from you. Please go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and let me know what I need to do to serve you better. Dawn is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Dawn. How are you today?
1: Hello. I'm doing great. Thank you for asking.
0: Dawn, you have your own small business, and you're dealing with a conundrum so many small businesses deal with, and that's the high cost of accepting credit cards.
1: Yes, sir. So I'm opening a a small business, like you said. It's a retail store, a kitchen retail store with a teaching kitchen attached to it with a focus on healthy cooking. And I will be selling my cooking classes from my website through a calendar. And then I'm also having sales in-store in the brick-and-mortar through the retail. So I need to accept credit cards for both. I've done a lot of research And I just wanted to double-check with you to make sure that I'm choosing the right thing for my business. And I am kind of leaning towards Square because of its ease of use. But I recently read some reviews from some folks that use it that had talked about an algorithm. And if, if the company sees you altering from your algorithm, they will flag that as fraudulent sales and hold Your sales for 30 or
0: more days. Well, you know, this Um, is a problem with any processor. If there is a change in pattern, they're all worried about fraudulent transactions. And Mm. they're worried also from the point of view of potential dishonesty by the merchant. And that's when you get punished by money being held back. I need to ask you a question What would you guess your average transaction is going to be for a purchase? that is not done in person how many dollars
1: an average online is going to be between 75 and probably 140 um it depends how many tickets they buy for a cooking class
0: and how about in person what would you guess people will spend per transaction
1: that'll be anywhere from 30 to 70 i would think
0: so this is kind of a toss-up you've done some good research But I would like you to look at the Costco merchant processing program.
1: Okay.
0: Have you looked at that?
1: I haven't, no.
0: See, it's 1.99% for online, which is very cheap for online, $0.25 a transaction. Your transactions are large enough that the quarter $0.25 a transaction is irrelevant. Yeah, absolutely. In-store, they're 1.22% and 12 cents a transaction
1: okay do so you it, know if they provide the scanner and the ipad and all you of have to actually
0: that. the differences with square they just give you all that
2: yeah with they costco
0: do. you have to buy the equipment so that's why the way you make the decision is what kind of volume you're going to be running you can even start with square or paypal which don't charge all those fees And then as you see that your merchant fees are piling up, you may want to make a change at that point. But go ahead and look at the Costco program because it really is designed for small businesses that do both in-person and internet transactions. And good luck to you with your business. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can learn ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. And you can follow me at Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. So one of the worst kept secrets in Washington for the last two weeks, the rumor turned out to be true that Wells Fargo got hit with a billion dollar fine, one billion, which is pretty much unprecedented in government actions against a company. But Wells Fargo, as I've called it for five years, is a criminal enterprise impersonating a bank now that's pretty serious to say but wells fargo has engaged in so many different layers of criminal activity i don't even know where to start and you've heard me over these five years hammer them again and again and again so what wells fargo got the billion dollar fine for is they had a conspiracy to cheat people on auto loans and on mortgage loans And the things they were doing were the kind of things that you couldn't even make them up. If you told somebody that people at a bank would try to figure out ways to cheat their auto loan customers and repo their cars, or to take advantage of people who were buying a home and cheat them on their mortgage loans, you'd say, oh, come on, that kind of thing couldn't happen. But it was widespread. And then the three and a half million fake accounts that Wells Fargo opened up, engaging in widespread identity th- fraud and theft, creating accounts for people that they didn't know about or anything like that that harm people over and over again. I mean, this bank has a broken culture. Here's the problem, though. Nobody, nobody is going to prison. Here you have one of the largest banks in the world engaging in reverse bank robbery over and over again as the stagecoach robbed people. And the only consequences are the stockholders in the bank, because that's who's paying the billion dollar fine. The people who engaged in an ongoing multi year criminal conspiracy to steal from people, nothing happens to them, nobody goes to prison. Now, what you need to know, though, is Wells Fargo is under a collar, and they are not allowed to grow the bank right now because of sanctions they're under from various federal regulators. So Wells Fargo cannot offer people deals that would attract them or keep them at the bank. So Wells Fargo now, if you are a customer, is going to have to treat you like dirt moving forward. With horrible offers on CDs, on loans, on savings accounts. And what you need to know is that regardless of all the past criminal behavior, and even if new leadership sweeps clean with the broom, the reality is the bank is still a bad deal for you. And if you're a creature of habit, break the habit, dump this bank. Because doing business with Wells Fargo has been hazardous to people's financial health for a long, long time. Remember, only discovered five years ago, but goes back all the way to last decade where Wells Fargo was engaging in widespread criminal conspiracies to steal from people. Isn't this weird? So I know that psychologically we find it hard to switch a bank. But you should really take the cue here. Unprecedented, billion-dollar fine, that doesn't happen. So go find a credit union. Go find a small local bank. Go find an online bank. And kick Wells Fargo to where they belong, the curb. DeShaw is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you, Howard? Great, thank you. So I ask you, had you ever heard of Sonos? No, I've never heard of them. Man, I thought that was something that was just common knowledge, and obviously, I'm the one out of touch here, because I went (laughs) zero for three with you, Joel, Kim, not knowing what that is. So, Deshaw, how can I serve you?
3: Um, Well, I was wondering, so my apartment has asked me to move to another apartment in the complex so they can renovate the apartment that I'm in now and um, I've agreed to this but I was just wondering if I had any rights as a renter um, to ask them to cover any of the transfer fees that I have incurred through my utilities
0: and wait 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 they didn't offer you compensation for moving you no they did not have you already signed a new agreement that allows them to move you
3: no, I haven't signed any papers. Oh,
0: great, great, great. All right, before you sign, you have your list of wants. And okay. your list of wants, they need to cover the cost of moving your stuff to the other apartment, and they need to cover your utility mm-hmm. transfers, obviously. And, and if they don't want to do those things, they don't really value or care about you. At okay. the end of a lease, when's your lease
4: up?
3: Oh, uh, my lease originally was not to be up until June, um, but uh, I agreed to, or I actually inquired to move earlier when the weather wouldn't be so warm. So I'm moving actually this weekend.
0: But you still have nothing in writing about you moving?
3: No, no. They are, I guess, day of whenever we go into the new apartment. Um, is that whenever we will, they'll send us, um, I guess, probably an electronic lease. To I don't like
0: this at all. You shouldn't be moving before you have an agreement for the new lease. I mean, you move, you go to the expense, you move all your stuff, and then who knows what they hit you with in that new lease.
3: I guess, if anything, they've kind of, well... No, they haven't given me anything in writing, not even like a a summary. I had to actually go to the leasing office to find out how much I owed, you know, for the first six days in the current apartment that I'm in, and then to find out how much I would owe for the new apartment, because it's a larger apartment. So I've upgraded to a larger apartment.
0: Without even Um, a lease yet? Uh Uh-uh. All right. Okay. You're being taken advantage of here. Either being taken advantage of by design or just because they don't have their act together. And you don't move until you have a signed lease. And and if you're moving for their convenience, which is what you're doing, right? Yes. You didn't initiate saying, hey, I want to move to a different apartment in the complex. They came to you and said they want to renovate, correct? Correct. Yeah. So you're doing them a favor to keep them on their their schedule. Otherwise, they've got to wait till June. When yeah. at which point they could do whatever they wanted. They could kick you out or whatever.
3: Right. Right. And I thought of this. I thought that I was doing them a favor and how nice it was of me, but I'm also um I guess I just don't really stand up for myself so much. So I wasn't sure um you know, I kinda of felt like it wasn't right. That they didn't even offer like, hey, we'll compensate you at you know an uh, X amount of dollars towards your rent for Yeah, I gotta get you to I
0: gotta get you to self advocate here. Yeah. <laughs> you have got to fire oh, no. up. You've got to power up. Yeah. Okay. You, I, I gotta... can do
3: it. I can do it.
0: All right. So and and not in any kind of ugly or mean way. Right. Sure. It's just it's just reasonable that you would not move yourself to a new place and the expenses of that with nothing in writing. Think about it. Once you've moved, what do you think your chances are getting them to pay for any of your expenses you're having relocating? Zero. Zero, yeah. And, and who knows what lease they're going to present you and what terms and conditions may be different in that than the existing one. So I would say you're not moving this weekend unless you have a contract that satisfies you okay i like it you feel powerful now
3: i do i do feel powerful
0: all right so go fight for yourself and fight for your rights nathan's with us on the clark howard show hi nathan hello nathan you you are a good friend trying to help someone who's in trouble
5: yeah yeah um So, um, yeah, my friend, he's in uh, rehab for a drug addiction. Um, Before he got checked in, he had lost um, his car, had an eviction notice at his apartment, um, and he's set to get out in a couple weeks, and I'm going to house him when that happens. Um, And so, really, my question is uh, two hearts. One is how he should be dealing with his debt, which consists of um, about $3,000 he owes to the bank for overdraft, uh, two, about 2,000 in, in unpaid rent and about 15,000 in credit card um, bills. Um, and the second part is how can I protect myself in this situation financially?
0: Okay, so that's $20,000 in, in various debts. And I yeah. want to tell you, you are the true measure of a good friend because it's easy to be somebody's friend or buddy when things are going well it's a completely different thing when somebody like your friend has hit rock bottom is in rehab and you're willing to help him start to put his life back together so the the danger to you the greatest danger to you is that he doesn't beat his addiction yeah and after release Ends up back on drugs, and uh, gosh, I can't even believe I have to say this, but in desperation, steals from you, or takes advantage of you in different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just get straight to it. That's the real danger.
5: Yeah.
0: Um, as far as other ways he might harm you, I, I don't even know. I don't even know where you're thinking on that.
5: Um, I'm. I'm concerned about him living with me and how that and him being in such debt. He's also been off the face of um out of society for a month um a little over a month when he'll get out. Um so I I have no idea how debt collectors have been trying to contact him or anything and how that might
0: That's not going to affect liable. you at all.
5: Okay, if I'm housing him and he Yeah, not that on won't that's
0: that's no effect. And he can't worry about any of those $20,000 of debts right now. The only thing he needs to worry about is uh, getting into a productive, drug-free life after release from rehab. Yeah. And if he needs to change his cell phone number, which is often recommended by people who have been addicted to drugs, so that people who were enablers, people that that were part of his drug life can't reach him,
4: mm-hmm.
0: he should really uh, change his cell phone number to one that people aren't going to know who are from that life that he was in.
5: Yeah, that's a great idea. And
0: then also oh. the debt collectors won't know how to reach him.
5: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And once oh. he's really solidly back on his feet, then he can worry about the debts. But in the meantime... The only job he's got is to continue the progress at being drug-free. And I want to come full circle, Nathan, and tell you, you're a really good guy and a good friend to take this on. And if he disappoints you and relapses, you may at that time have to rethink how much you're involved in his life. Noel is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Noel?
4: Hey, Clark, how are you doing?
0: Great, thank you. You're trying to figure out how you're going to educate how many kids? i got three kids. How old are they? They're
4: eight, seven, and four.
0: All right. That's a lot of educating to do.
4: It is, but we still have time, so that's the big thing.
0: And what's the culture in your family? Are these kids going on to college?
4: Um, pretty much everybody. Uh, yeah, they're going to college. Pretty much everybody in the family has gone to college for the last few generations.
0: Fantastic. Well, how can yeah. I be of service with your kids?
4: Well, when they were born, my mom opened a 529 plan for them. And my father passed away a few years ago. And when he did, uh, my mom put a significant amount of money from, um, from him into the plans. Uh, and even though they're with one of your, your favorite low-cost providers, they're in an advisor plan through her advisor, and the expense ratio is
0: 1.3%. 1.3%? Exactly wow
4: so Can can i roll that yes all those plans into one of on your dean list in my state and get a tax deduction
0: no um, you can't get a tax deduction on the rollover but any future well, no, contributions
4: no, moving forward yeah. yeah
0: so you're allowed to do the uh transfer once a year okay and so you definitely want to skedaddle out of that high cost yeah. plan now do you have one plan or three
4: I have three separate plans, one for each kid.
0: And are they owned by your mom, or are they owned by
4: you? They're owned by my mom in benefit of them.
0: Okay, so your mom will have to, I mean, you can help her with the paperwork, but legally she will still be the owner, Okay. and will have to do the transfer to the low-cost plan? Sure. And she can do that, and then um, that's really great that she is helping to fund their college career.
4: Absolutely. Now, at what point, I know the sky's the limit for college expenses, but um, at what point should I say enough is enough on the amount that we've put in there? Because right now they've got over 420000 in the plans for for them, and they're that young. So.
0: 420000
4: Yeah. Jeez.
0: That's a lot.
4: Now, if, it's a lot. If
0: your kids go to, if all three of them go to private undergraduate school, you're going to blow through that and more. Sure, If they go to grad school or professional school. You'll grow, blow through it as well. If your but I kids, like
4: the, the Clark Smart idea of doing the two years in junior college, you know, the, I mean, it's it, it just makes sense.
0: So if you did that, if they if they do my two years in community college and then go off to a four year school, uh, that may be more money than you're going to need, right? For all three of their college careers. Uh, maybe, Maybe what you're thinking out loud is the right answer. You have contributed enough or she's contributed enough and you just instead devote your energy to saving for you and your wife's retirements rather than the kid's education any further. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show... I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews.